1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. We are a week plus away from the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We welcome in as we do each and every Friday, one of our favorite people. It is Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Jeffrey, good afternoon. How are you?
0: Yeah, good afternoon. Last week, I felt like there was some tension between us between you and I, I think I'm really excited about a nice, positive note today. I feel like our friendship's gonna really show its true colors today. See,
1: there's there's never tension on my end. It's just you know, yeah. I, I, I'm here for entertainment. I'm here for you to entertain me. So please, yeah.
0: dance. Oh, dance for me. Oh, okay. Oh, I see you. Oh, so you get to decide <laughs> whether there was tension or not. And no. just like that, any, there's tension. I don't, I don't get to decide. I don't get any say. Right.
1: Here we go again. I mean, who, whose name is on the show, Jeff? That's all I say. Good point. Good point. Respect. Hey, listen. What's up? Let's, let's just start here. You were there yeah. at the AFC Championship last week. What was your biggest takeaway from that game?
0: Um, that I mean. <laughs> It's the most annoying thing in, of all, and it's it's that the chiefs step up in big moments. I know I, not annoying to me, but I know it's annoying to a lot of people, um, that they are so relentless in those moments, and that is exactly the type of attitude and um, and postseason kind of vibe that is required of a team on the brink of being called a dynasty. It, they just have it. and I, I think that while I'm not one to like hate on Lamar for the game or the Ravens in general, but I—I I mean, it was very clear to me, as I think it was clear to a lot of people, but being in the stadium, it was very clear to me that the Chiefs stepped up and, and, and relished that big moment, whereas it felt to me like the Ravens got a little bit tense, got a little tight, and kind of got away from what made them um, such a strong team leading up to that game.
2: You know, there had been a lot of reasons why Lamar and the Ravens had not been able to take the next step coming into this season. There were the Jackson injuries. There was Greg Roman, the offense, the lack of weapons. I thought we had solved all that. You know, here comes Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham. Isaiah uh, right. likely emerges. You get rid of Greg Roman. You bring in a new offensive coordinator, and yet you get to the playoffs, and in the big spot, there's nothing from Jackson virtually. I mean, if what's it got
0: it? further... I feel, I mean, I feel like they did dismiss some of those mm-hmm. stereotypes about them. But to your point, I mean, I, I heard someone recently saying this, too. I don't know if it's Olovsky, but it, it, it hit home with me, too. And I, I'm not one to ever pretend that I'm like a real football mind. Like, I just talk to people and tell you what I hear from them. But for me, just from like my layman's eye, I often felt like, Lamar, for instance, like, there was moments where I'm like, just run, dude, go. Do, do that thing you do. And and he didn't. I don't, I didn't and, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, was he tired? Was he worn down? Was he gassed? Or was he trying to be the guy that people think he can't be by being, like, the pocket thrower? I don't know. It just felt like, to me, there was these moments in that game where when they were getting down, they should have just resorted on instincts and instead they just got tight and overthought it. That, to me, was the difference between what the Chiefs did and what the Chiefs do, by the way. And I've talked to Mahomes about that. Like, recognizing something that he said recently was, uh, we, I interviewed him a couple days ago, and he, he said, he talked about how what he learned this year is that being the best quarterback for your team in that moment is, be, is different than being the best quarterback for your stats and for things like MVP. And, and that's not a shot at Lamar. That was just Patrick talking about himself, but I feel like Lamar could take something from that.
1: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. So what's the path back here for him to get back in this situation? Because in these spots, all you ever hear from coaches and and players is Mm -hmm. you don't understand how difficult it is to get here.
0: Yeah. I, I think they're actually built to get back. Um, to me, they, they they had a bad game in a, in, a, in a tight moment. But to me, I think that they're going to be just as dangerous next season. <clears throat> um, they, they don't strike me as a team that's going to have some big drop-off. Zay Flowers, I think, will learn from that big moment. He seemed to be a little bit of a different person, given some of those mistakes that he made than he had been previously. And, and big moments sometimes do that. If it doesn't happen in the championship game, guess what? It often also... It happened in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think that there'll be a team that gets back. Uh, for, for whatever reason, they just strike me as having, they do, I believe, have the championship pedigree. I think that now they just need to have that championship experience.
2: We were having a little debate off air that we were eventually going to turn over to the listeners so that they could call in and give us their thoughts. We wanted to get yours as well. Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. now taking over the Chargers. John Harbaugh still with the Ravens. Both have been to the Super Bowl before. Jim with the Niners, John mm-hmm. with the Ravens. They faced each other. Uh, interestingly enough, starting right now, who gets back to the Super Bowl quicker, Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you've got some good responses on that one. I, I tend to be, I'm, I'm going to tend to be practical and say John because of how close he just got. Uh, it's not to say that I don't think that Jim. We'll eventually get there. He proved it with the 49ers that he can take a team and quickly, quickly get them there. So it is very possible. I think just practically speaking, to me, John was just on the doorstep. And, you know, the Chargers are a talented team, but I'm still in – the Chargers got to show it. I'm, I'm sick of hearing them talk about their potential and what they're worth. I think that John, despite the outcome of that game, they proved this year – that they are uh, very capable of getting to the championship. So I will say, John.
2: Jeff Darlington,
1: good ESPN NFL.
0: Adaf- I like that one.
1: Oh, good. Thank you. Jeff yeah. Darlington, yeah. ESPN NFL reporter.
2: He was complimenting me, so you didn't need to say Yeah, thank you actually.
0: There. That's yeah, that's a fair good point. point.
2: I mean, Jeff, I didn't want to have to do that for you, but I'm sitting here, and it's like, what are you thanking him for, Carlin? Yeah, and also
0: the way Carlin said it, too, like, he really took the credit there.
2: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Leaning into it. Jeff, you're so lucky we asked you you that question. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Did you ever get
1: down on your knees? (laughs) ever get down on your knees and thank the good Lord above that you got a chance to be on this show?
0: yeah it's like someone says like the way like someone says like that's a nice this whole thing like that's what you just did (laughs) oh that question (laughs) you know we have had
1: many conversations this year uh about the coaches whether it's belichick vrabel um and then the other guys that came up that we expected to get jobs a guy like ben johnson who were all available this offseason um what surprises you the most? Who surprises you the most that they're not coaching in 2024?
0: Uh, Vrabel surprises me the most. Um, yeah. I, I, to a degree, I understand Belichick I, in a weird way. I know that that doesn't really make sense. Greatest of all time. Well, I I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Tancho more wins. But, you know, Belichick, he still wants to coach. He's still capable of turning over an organization. Uh, Vrabel, to me, though, is like, <laughs> I mean, he's... I think Mike Vrabel is the best coach in the NFL, personally. I think he's the best head coach. Uh, If I was the owner of an organization and he became available, I would take a good hard look at my head coach, even if I planned on keeping him, to decide if I should upgrade with Mike Vrabel. I am not of the opinion that any of these jobs necessarily even deserved him, but I am shocked that they didn't come calling. And I think it's this thing where we're suddenly seeing maybe these owners are afraid of like the alpha coach coming in and, and and kind of running the organization themselves, which I don't think would be the case with Rabel, but I understand from a personality standpoint, he is an alpha. I don't get it. What I will say though, is this is going to be the worst possible season for a head coach to be on the hot seat. Like if you are Mike McCarthy, for instance, you are going to be looking over your shoulder constantly. And and they might be anyway. If you're Todd Bowles in Tampa, or if you're Brian Dable with the Giants, like you're already the hot seat is not fun. When you have Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick literally already on the open market and available, that is a hot seat that I don't think that we've necessarily really ever seen before.
2: I think that's an excellent point. We were gonna ask a quick follow up on Belichick, if you had a moment Is there anything you think he can do or would be willing to do over the next few months to kind of, I mean, does he need to do some PR work to try to ease the narrative as to how people view him? Like some of these guys, they get on TV and suddenly things change.
0: Yeah, he might do that. Uh, I mean, I, I I thought about that with Rabel too. Like, does he need to do something like that? I, I don't think so. And maybe they're two different beasts, but like personally, I think that their stock is going to just continue to rise just by sitting out and letting other teams look like idiots for them. Um, Look, the resume is there. And there will be an alpha owner at some point who will say, like, I'm good with that. That's what I want. I want someone to come in and fix this organization. I want the CEO that I can put in front of my shareholders and they're going to believe in. Um, So, no, I don't think that they necessarily need to – to fix their reputation, I think that they should let other teams uh, fail and ultimately make them more coveted. And by the way, we saw that with John Gruden every single year. John Gruden had his flaws when he came off the Bucks when he got fired by them and went to Monday Night Football. Every year, he became more valuable. And to your point, he was on TV. But he became more valuable every year that he was out of coaching than he was the second that he got fired.
1: All right, so listen, before we let you go, let's address this alleged tension that you're speaking of from last week. It's not week. tension. Tension's not the right word.
0: Well, you it, it used was, it. Um, I,
1: I just followed up on it. You said tension, it not was a me.
0: lack of... I am correct. It was a... I don't know. It was... Well, here's, ego. here's what it was. Here's what it was. I told you I hadn't seen a movie. Yes. You couldn't understand that maybe you have now grown so old that that people wouldn't really necessarily understand that movie. Yeah, it wasn't tension. Personally. Well,
1: let's let's clarify that whole situation. You basically called me a baby boomer for what yeah, you said. For not for me uh getting on you for not having seen Roadhouse.
2: It's not Roadhouse, but, right? For the, but, but for the let listeners me who didn't. let me
1: ask you this yeah. question, Jeff. I'll give you a moment it's your show. Jeff? Who texted you right after that and said, you haven't seen Roadhouse? No,
0: no, she was sitting. My wife was sitting in the room. But to oh. what I said, like, she said, you haven't seen Roadhouse. My wife, by the way, is, is uh, rocked the cradle a little bit, two years older than me. So, yeah. you know, she's kind of a little bit so of a- So you just called your wife a baby soul. boomer
1: on national radio. She's Good not job. Here right now.
0: She's not here right now, okay? And she's not, <laughs> you know, I'm still, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1981. So. But, but what, what I will say is, it's not that. It's not that you're you're old, which you, maybe you are. Uh. It's that Roadhouse, I, like, for instance, quote Animal House all the time. And it deserves it. It is an iconic movie with very quotable lines. Roadhouse is not that. That is my bigger issue. Uh. I wouldn't say it's Roadhouse a quotable is my movie, cultural but a classic. Phenomena. Big Lebowski might be lesser known, but it is a more quotable movie. Well, name like, one listen, iconic scene or quote from Roadhouse.
1: I, I don't have your... I, I don't have your time for your semantics, okay? Carlin, you got to go. yeah. get out of this hey, round. You got to get out of this round. Like go. you're gonna lose the it's round ten eight. it's fine. This this has become my Vietnam, and I have to get out of it. Okay. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go. We gotta go. Okay. 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 Talk next week. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait. Hey, wait. The Jeff goes, Darlington, ESPN, okay. NFL reporter. The NBA trade deadline is six days away. So how many legit title contenders exist? It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, including on TuneIn. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Sixers star Joel
2: Embiid suffered a lateral meniscus injury in his left knee on Tuesday. They got the MRI and and the news is what you've been told and I don't think we're going to know much yet until after the weekend. It's terrible news. You know, obviously the the MVP consideration is out the window. Their chances for home court advantage in the first round take a major hit right now. At the end of the day man, it's about Larios, right? It's about winning a championship and having an opportunity. Without Embiid, there is no opportunity.
1: Well, we got a little bit of a response from the king himself. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on the TuneIn app when you're trying to find quality candidates all the searching, screening, and interviewing can become a job itself. You need Indeed, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit Indeed.com credit.
3: Breaking, breaking news? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I'm sorry. LeBron James now chiming in. We know earlier that Rich Paul reached out to Brian Windhorst, as he told us, to say, hey, he's not getting traded. We want to make sure that you all know that. Uh, we are not asking to be traded, and the Lakers are not trading him. Okay. But LeBron now chiming in on the Joel Embiid controversy. Here is the quote literally from seven minutes ago in a, on a, on two tweets. Where are all the media outlets, TV media personalities, hot takes to talk so much blank about Joel Embiid, about missing those games when he knew what he was dealing with? Now he's out with an injury because of it. Not one person has went back on TV or their dumbass podcast and apologized to that man. No accountability, three garbage cans. In
2: other words, trash. Three garbage. <laughs> three, three garbage, garbage cans. cans. I not love two, the emojis. Not one. I love the emojis being read on air. Yeah, three garbage cans. I uh, I got a theory. <laughs> mm. I got a theory for you. If you line up the timing of all of this, what are the odds? Just asking a question, but what are the odds? LeBron choosing to sit out in Boston last night was maybe a little bit of a shot to the NBA. As to how he feels and maybe how other players feel about this new 65-game rule. Because that was a huge game. It's the only time of year the Lakers are going to visit the Celtics. We see them play twice a year. Once in L.A., once in Boston. That is the most storied rivalry in the NBA. Two of the most storied franchises in the NBA. LeBron had just played a couple nights prior at Atlanta right? He gave us 35 minutes. It was not a back-to-back. He had the night off. Then they were in Boston. Davis was banged up. LeBron sits out as well. And then today, when everyone's tweeting about the trade speculation, maybe this tweet is thrown out as a, you idiots don't get it. You idiots don't get it. Me sitting out, me with the time hourglass, it's not about me wanting out of LA. Sitting out, wake up. The 65-game rule is flawed, and we're not going to be forced to play and risk injury and long-term career prospects. What do you think about that theory?
1: I'm not going to call it ridiculous. Okay. To start? I I could see it. I could see it. I think that he might be a little bit more vocal about it moving forward because it's not like LeBron doesn't have a direct line to Adam Silver if he wants it. Here's my problems. You agreed to it. I mean, like, everybody agreed to this being a thing, right? So... That's that's a problem. My bigger here issue though with LeBron is how is it that I or anyone else forced Joel Embiid to play? Fans, media, they're going to criticize the situation. For the record, We didn't really get on it on the show because you don't know what's going on with Embiid. And at this point, it's just patently absurd to be that worried about the MVP versus anything else. It just is, okay? He won one last year, and the biggest knock on this guy is that he has not won a championship as of yet. So if Joel went out there the other night because he was feeling public pressure to play and got hurt... I'm sorry. I'm not taking any responsibility for that, and nobody else out there takes responsibility for that. There is one person that is in charge of Joel Embiid playing, and that's Joel Embiid. That's it. So it has nothing to do with any of that. So, uh, LeBron, if you're saying that he succumbs in that spot to all of the public pressure to get out there, who is that on? It's not on us. How is that on us? It, he, you're, you're right.
2: He knew what was going on with his body. So why is he on the court? He also, I'd love to know. The the blame, to me, if there's going to be blame assigned, feels like it should be headed towards the decision of the Sixers to not list him on the injury report that Saturday morning against the Nuggets. Clearly. That was the biggest problem because if you knew he was on the injury report against the Nuggets, you knew there was a chance he might not play. So when you rule him out later in the day, at least it's understandable. People will still gripe but it's understandable. Then he goes on to miss the Portland game and the Golden State games, and then people realize the guy's genuinely hurt. He's not ducking Jokic. He's not load managing. He's genuinely hurt. But instead, the Sixers didn't have him on the injury report, and then a few hours before, one of the most highly anticipated games of the year because we're transitioning into basketball season, and it's a Saturday night game, there's no NFL competition, and it's Jokic versus Embiid. People are getting excited about it. And a couple hours before, he's immediately ruled out, and everyone thinks, here comes this BS load management thing again because of how we've been conditioned the previous years. This is how it is. We have been dealing with this for years, so people are naturally going to think that's what's happening there. So there's criticism. He sits out in Portland. No one really notices it because we're all talking about the AFC and NFC championship games, all that fallout. Then he tries to force it in the Golden State game, and he gets hurt further. It's very unfortunate, but you're right. He made the decision to go out there. That's on Embiid. As to any of the heat that came from Saturday, that's on the Sixers for the way they managed the injury report. And the NBA agrees because they were fined $75,000 for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's 100% on the Sixers for that. And all of this together comes back to the once again ridiculous, ridiculous notion that we had to put guardrails into place to get guys to play to do their jobs. I don't expect everyone to play 82 games. I fully respect what an NBA season and what any professional sports season can do to the body. It can beat the daylights out of it. And some days you're just going to need a day off, but we can't acknowledge that at least there have been people that have taken advantage of that. thus leading us to putting this in place. How is that our fault? How is that our fault? And, and, Actually, to support LeBron for a second, if you're out there and you're getting on Embiid for not playing and not getting to the 65 game mark, you're an idiot. Because of the MVP, you're an idiot. Like, the biggest thing has has more to do with him winning a title. You want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton and him rushing back? Well, that's $41 million, bro. Like, that's why he's rushing back. Again, not on us. I I think it's so ridiculous of LeBron to have this take, suggesting that somehow it's somebody else's fault here and everybody needs to apologize here. Oh, God, shut up.
2: The NBA has become an individual sport. It's not a team sport. The focus is on awards. The focus is on contracts. The focus is on stats. All the attention on Embiid's injury, none of it has been paid to the Sixers' chances of winning a championship. That's one of the things I love about the Knicks winning again last night. We're finally starting to have the discussion as to whether or not they can compete in the East, but that will only come after we have the discussion as to whether or not Jalen Brunson wins the MVP, which again speaks to the individualized nature of what this sport has become. Carlin versus Joe,
1: ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. How close is Patrick Mahomes really to getting into GOAT status? We will answer that question in just moments after Joe has
2: this from granger for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have both the knowledge and the experience to answer all your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call click or just stop by
1: this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio
2: Legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Here's
1: Hart spinning on Siaka. Fires across. Brunson, right wing three, ties the game
3: at 91. JB then all star.
1: Nice job, Monica McNutt. On the call last night on Knicks Radio, 40 for Jalen Brunson. And, yeah, I think it is safe to say, but I I don't feel right saying it. I think there's only one person that really should be saying it. Uh, Harry Douglas, what do you think about Jalen
3: Brunson? Jalen Brunson, I think he is one of the best free agent acquisitions in NBA history, especially over the last 25, 30 years, uh, what he's been able to do. But it's only three words that can sum up Jalen Brunson. And for me, it's that boy, bad.
1: (laughs) 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 He, of course, co-host of Freddie and Harry joining us right now. Uh, Harry, when we're looking at this game and we are going to talk about Patrick Mahomes being in the Super Bowl again. It is his fourth trip in five years. he has been to the AFC championship game every year that he has been a starting quarterback. When do we have the discussion about Patrick Mahomes being in the goat
3: class? if he's able to win this third Super Bowl um we're already, first let me say this. We're already having the conversations just because Patrick Mahomes is that spectacular at his craft, at the game of football, and making everyone around him better. But I think we, you really can dive into it. And I said this last year on Get Up. I said on first take, I don't think it's going to take seven Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes is able to get four Super Bowls. At that point, he will be deemed the GOAT, the greatest of all time, in my opinion.
2: Okay. You and Canty were having a tremendous conversation regarding Brock Purdy and the idea of what we could be looking at in the very near future regarding a contract. He's played two years. This is going to be the conclusion of his second year, but he's on a four-year deal because he was picked in the seventh round, not the first. What do you think the Niners are going to be up against here?
3: Um, I would say this. You're going to have to address it at some point. I think Really, year three is when you really want to hone in on that contract for Brock Purdy. Um, now, if he is able to win the Super Bowl, do I believe Brock Purdy is a $60 million quarterback? No. And then when you look at, you know, what guys are making, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you have a guy, Daniel Jones, who's making $40 million a year just to be the big apple turnover here in New York. So <laughs> pretty much do the numbers and, and put those in, in your head. So I, I'll say about forty-five. The forty-six million dollars per year for Brock Purdy. He's been to an NFC Championship game in year one. He's been to a Super Bowl in year two. And lo and behold, don't let him mess around to win this Super Bowl uh, in two thousand twenty-four, twenty-three
1: season. Harry Douglas, co-host of Freddie and Harry, also big part of playoff preview with the pros, which airs all weekend long here on ESPN Radio, along with Chris Canty uh, and myself, Harry. um, when you look at how the 49ers have done this with Brock Purdy as their quarterback, how difficult is it for a team to replicate the way they have constructed this team?
3: I mean, if, if everyone could do it, you would see, you know, multiple teams across the board being able to do it. And it's not just Brock Purdy, right? It's the San Francisco 49ers across the board. When you look at a round draft pick in George Kittle, uh, Fred Warner's a third-round draft pick. I believe Dre Greenlaw is a fifth-round draft pick. Shavarius War – I mean, excuse me, not Shavarius War, but Diamadour and Lenore. Uh, other guys in their secondary, they're a hard draft picks. So they've been able to, you know, hit on their draft draft picks of uh, over the last, I would say, six years. You look at Hufungo, who's not playing. He's, a, I believe, a fifth-round draft pick. They've been able to hit in the draft and be, been able to also develop their talent. That's another thing. It's another thing to – find these guys, but you have to be able to develop the talent as well and put them in the best positions possible to become successful. And if any organization could do it, trust me, they would be able to do it as frequent as we've seen the San Francisco 49ers. That's why you see so many guys in their front office go off and be general managers of the places and have other titles and other other roles because they've been able to master – the draft picks and not just the first and second rounders, but rounds three through seven, but also the free agent market.
2: We've been asking everyone this question today. We wanted to get your thoughts on it. Jim Harbaugh taking over as the head coach of the Chargers. Brother John Harbaugh, who he faced in a Super Bowl almost a decade ago when Jim was with the Niners and John still with the Ravens. John also still with the Ravens. Which of those two gets to the Super Bowl first?
3: Hmm. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, honestly, because they haven't signed the AFC named Patrick Mahomes. And what we have been shown over the last six years is that Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the AFC championship game. So you already take one slot away. <laughs> and then you have, like, you have 11 quarterbacks that are trying to fight for one slot, uh, literally, in the AFC conference. So honestly, that's, I don't, I don't even know the answer to that question. Last one, Harry. Harry
1: Douglas with us, of course. uh, Freddie and Harry uh, right after us on ESPN Radio. So um, you're as locked in on the Atlanta Falcons, as close to the situation as anybody. Who's playing quarterback for the Falcons next year, Harry?
3: Either Justin Fields. Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, and because of the contract if the Denver Broncos let him go and, you know, the Atlanta Falcons signed him to uh, the bet minimum. We know the Denver Broncos are on the hook for the rest of that money. Uh, You talk about being cheap in in those regards. Or we don't know right now Terry Fontenot and company, if those guys at number eight want to move up and try to get into a closer range, uh, move up to two or move up to one or move up to three. Now, I don't see those first three teams moving out of their spots, but anything is possible so uh, we know it's going to be somebody. It can't be the what we had the last two years in Atlanta because that was incompetent quarterback play, and my eyes are still hurting from it.
1: Uh, last one, Harry. As an out-of-shape, balder man, is there anything that I could ever do, uh, certainly not athletic-related, that would get me classified as that boy bad?
3: Hey, just be great in life. You can be great in life. You can be the best husband And, damn it, Carlin, you'll make that boy bad. You can eat the most chicken wings. And, Carlin, I'm going to say that boy bad. You can have a dad bod. And I'm going to say that boy bad because Patrick Mahomes, you're not the only one, Carlin, with a dad bod. Patrick Mahomes (laughs) has it too. And he's the best player in the world right now at the position. So there, there are not many stipulations. You just have to be great at something. Great at it. We
1: are all Patrick Mahomes today. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Harry.
1: <laughs> Harry Douglas, Love you'll it. catch him uh, later this afternoon. Freddie and Harry, and of course, all weekend long on Playoff Preview with the Pros with Harry and Canty. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, serious XM Channel 80. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, we know that he is in that conversation right now, but he's not there yet. And you're not going to believe... Who agrees with us about that? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
3: Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza. Owen one last night had the Pacers against the Knicks. Credit to the Knicks for coming on strong in the fourth to not only win and cover. So tonight, we're going to go against the Pacers. Give me the Sacramento Kings minus the three over Indiana. This is a situational play. Sacramento rested. Did not play last night. Pacers, not only did they play at the Garden last night and then fly back to Indianapolis, this is their sixth game in nine nights. This is not going to close at three. Some of the books are already moving to three and a half, so act quickly if you want to follow. Pizza money number one Sacramento Kings minus three over the Indiana Pacers. You know
1: what that feels? What's Spite that? Spike filled. Spike filled? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you screwed me last
2: night? Guess what? I'm going against you tonight. So we did uh, a good old-fashioned first-to-ten sweat on Instagram Live last night for and this And by the game. way, I caught it.
1: Especially, I enjoy watching it on Instagram Live with the Army, what I, what I assume are some sort of soldiers, G.I. Joe,
2: hanging in the background. Close. WWE figures. Those are okay. WWE action figures. Uh, we had Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, and The Undertaker all make special appearances oh, last night on the first-to-ten sweat.
1: Well, fantastic. I enjoyed it though. I watched Thank it you. last night and I encourage all others to follow Mr. Fortinbaugh on Instagram to watch that when you do it because it's very entertaining. It's at Jay Fortenbaugh. All right, hit
3: it.
2: This is about the best player in the history of the game, Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady could be the GOAT because he got the Super Bowls. He's the best player in the history of the game. We are taking for granted greatness. If he wins the Super Bowl and he walks away, his career is better than those that we have considered in that GOAT conversation at different times. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, etc. He's better. Patrick Mahomes is in
1: another world. He's by himself. He's looking at Joe Montana. He's looking at Tom Brady. That's
3: who he's looking at. He's not looking at nobody currently that's playing. He's that great.
1: No lies told. No lies told at all. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and on the TuneIn app. Joseph, you know, the thing that really um, caught my attention was the divisional game. That's when, as I said last week, that was when I really started to think, you know what? He very well could catch Brady here. But the discussion is going to grow more and more during the coming week, as you would expect. He could win his third by the age of 28 Right now, where do you put him in that discussion as potentially ending his career as being the greatest of all time?
2: I don't put him one, so no, he's not no. there. No, but I mean, discussion. Discussion. Can the discussion happen? It's a good discussion because he's generational. He's not a guy like Jalen Hurts last year who was going for his first, and all of a sudden we're like, where is he in the pantheon of great quarterbacks? Well, it's it's very early. He's only been starting for a couple of years. Mahomes' body of work and the fact that he's doing it yet again this season warrants a discussion as to his place in history. Yes, I'm absolutely on board with the discussion. I'm just not on board with putting him one overall.
1: Okay. Well, I'm not putting him one overall yet either. And somebody else isn't even putting him in their top two right now, but it's not who you would expect. It's his father, Patrick Mahomes Sr. Yesterday on greedy with Evan
2: Cohen. Do you think he's the greatest quarterback of all time right now?
3: That's still to be determined. Still has a way to go. Uh, I have mad respect for Tom Brady, and I grew up as a Joe Montana fan. Those guys are that ilk. So uh, he's on the right trajectory, but right now I would still say those guys are better. I mean, I think he's the most athletic quarterback that we've seen. I think he can do a lot more things than uh, some of those other guys could do, but the name of the game is winning, and those guys won at a, at a great rate. Right now, Patrick, you know, is doing what he needs to do, but those guys – To me, still have the nod. But, I mean, he's coming. So,
1: I understand it with not putting him in Montana's class yet. I think he's right there, though, if he wins this game. I think he's absolutely number two. I would put him in front of Montana at number two if that's the case. Now, when I look at what he could possibly possibly accomplish, I think it's definitely within the realm to think that he could get to five or six by the time he retires, because I'm not going to sit here and tell you, he's going to play till he's 45. I can't make that assumption. It took Brady. I mean, it sounds silly to say the sentence this way, Joe. It took Brady till he was 45 to get seven of them. There you go. You know, because he did go 10 years without winning one. I actually think it's a lot more likely that Patrick Mahomes ends up in that Five to six range if he retires when he's 38, 39. I absolutely believe that.
2: Yeah, those are the years I'm going to need to see. Because it's real easy in a guy's prime when he's at his absolute best to go ahead and start comparing him to everybody else. Um, The thing with that is Brady, Mahomes right now is 28. When Brady was 28, that was the 2005 season. He had three already. After he turned 28, he went on to play 17 more seasons and win four more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not really going to put Mahomes ahead of Brady anytime I, soon. Sorry. And I understand. I just why- watched a guy dominate in his mid-30s, in his late 30s, in his early 40s. The ability to play at that high a level and have that much success at that age in a sport that routinely spits guys out in their mid-20s, I'm going to have to see Mahomes do it at that age. Because to see it here is wonderful. It's remarkable. It's fantastic. I've seen Brady do that. Now do it in your 40s. Well,
1: Mahomes' style of play, allow him to do it until his, his late 30s. Because he moves around a heck of a lot more than Brady ever did. And Brady learned... I would say probably in his mid-30s, how to take a sack and not get hurt. Like he, the hits that Brady took late, he did not take them anywhere near at the same level that he did much earlier in his career. And I think we both agree, you know, Mahomes being on the move more is not necessarily conducive to uh,
2: long-term health. He his legs have been a big part of his greatness, but he's also very cerebral. The Baltimore game is an example of that. While he was mobile in that game, at the same time he made a lot of plays in a lot of crucial spots where he wasn't yeah. running. Just drop back, get it out of your hands. Take the 4 yards that the Ravens were willing to give you. This is something Lamar Jackson and the and the Raven offense led by Todd Monken couldn't figure out to save their life. Like every play they were trying to get 30 yards. Why? Why do you need 30 yards? Look at what Kansas City's doing. It's just death by a 1,000 paper cuts. Here's a four-yard completion on first down. Good, we're ahead of the sticks, second and six. Here's a three-yard run to Isaiah Pacheco on second down. Nice, it's third and three. It's manageable. Now we're thinking two down, four-down territory. So maybe we run it again and it's fourth and one and we convert, or maybe we go ahead and throw to Kelsey for five yards and we've got a first down. Either way, he was very smart with that game plan. Yeah. And when you're that cerebral of a quarterback, when you understand the game to that level – you can tailor your game to have success late in your career. This
1: is kind of what we were hearing from Harry Douglas, though, a few minutes ago. You asked him the question about which Harbaugh gets there first, and he couldn't answer it because Mahomes is still there. Yeah. Like, we have to factor that into everything, and that speaks to his greatness as well. It's, it's hard for me after a season like this to doubt – that he can get there that many more times when he got there with this offense the way it was. Yeah,
2: he's just going to need to catch a lot of fortunate breaks. He's going to need to have to stay healthy. Andy Reid retiring, what would end up happening to his team around him? Like, Tom Brady was able to stay healthy, have good players around him, keep his cap number down so he could bring in good players, recruit good players, and he had very good coaching. Like, some of those things can fall off and that can hurt Mahomes, and it's no, no, disrespect to him or no fault of his but you need a lot of things to go right to win a Super Bowl
1: Carlin vs. Joe ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app why is it exactly that LeBron James and Rich Paul decided to just ruin our day before it even started (laughs) we will enlighten you in moments Carlin vs. Joe you're welcome
3: this is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio